Now, from the PAXA studios in downtown Honolulu, Josh Pacheco and Hunter Hughes. I think there's a great argument for traditions of college football. You know, college football has been great for a lot of people. It's been great for fans. It's been a great opportunity for, you know, many guys, not just in football, but in all sports. I think I read a stat where 82% of the people who won medals in the Olympics got trained in college. So, you know, some of that is all going to change. What we see as college football right now is being completely disassociated from the traditions of what we've seen in the past. And we've had some great traditions here, as all schools do, uh, in all sports. And some of those things are going to go by the wayside because decisions are made for mega conferences. These decisions are getting made for probably financial reasons uh, in terms of on one hand to make a better program so that you can invest more in players but on the other hand you may be eliminating some opportunities for some other people off the bench on ESPN Honolulu the words of Nick Saban earlier today talking about the traditions of college football potentially going away as we play 41 different bowl games in the college football playoff semifinals get underway in a little over a week and here is one of the deans of college football coaching talking and lamenting about losing traditions the funny thing is traditions oftentimes change and evolve Sometimes those traditions can remain the same for years upon years upon years, and sometimes uh, those traditions, they don't fit anymore. And when I hear Nick Saban lament about that, it makes me think of two things. One, Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball is as traditional of a sport based on how it always has conducted itself as any sport, not just in North America, but probably also in the world. Maybe soccer's the exception. But Major League Baseball has always relied on traditions. It has always relied on the same old, same old, because that's what the the old school folks always relied upon. Well, uh, Major League Baseball has now made two sets of rules changes in two years. So tell me about traditions and how they work or don't work. They got rid of some of those traditions uh, or amended some of those traditions. And guess what? The game is quicker. You could argue maybe the product is a little bit better. Uh, I think of the tradition of the NBA owning Christmas Day as really its, its signature day. That no longer is the case. The NFL has now taken a little bit more of center stage on Christmas Day because, sorry, no one's going to watch more NBA than the NFL on Christmas Day. But... Uh, what the NBA said, okay, that's normally our tradition. Well, what are we going to do? We're going to change that by giving ourselves another one of our own days. And that own day being the in-season tournament. And what ended up happening with that? Ratings were actually fairly good. Response to it, according to the league, seemed to be fairly positive. Uh, one tradition that no longer fits in the sports calendar now changes to another. And so far, it seems like that other budding tradition kind of works college football depending on who you talk to is in that same boat now where you need to figure out what traditions you can keep and what traditions you're fine with adjusting or getting rid of altogether for example 
Um, we have already adjusted the way we determine national champions. We went from strictly to the polls, changing that to computers, now going to humans, and now we're adjusting that as well. The, the way we determine who wins a championship has evolved over time. That is no longer traditional. Bowl games have been traditional. Now they're just becoming um, filler, filler that people watch, by the way. Um, and that tradition is going to change as well as it has as the evolution of uh, of the college football playoff has included the bowls. It's going to be even more so that way um, once we add bowls into the expanded playoff. Um, so then what? What's left? I would argue that conferences have been traditional, but again, traditions always change. And Traditions didn't just start changing. Like I, I, I love hearing Nick Saban talk about the traditions of conferences and the traditions of um, how how college sports, you know, has, has always been. Well, I mean, conference realignment didn't just start yesterday. Do we remember how Nebraska went from the Big Twelve to the Big Ten? Do we remember how Rutgers became a part of the Big Ten? Do we remember all of these things that led us to this next round that we are here? Remember uh, when the WAC existed as an FBS conference? Remember that way back when? Traditions are, are, are not fads anymore. Traditions are meant to be looked at and adjusted and changed and bettered. Now, to Nick Saban's point, uh, whether college football is better... Uh, that is debatable. It may not be. But we don't know yet. We don't know how these enlarged super conferences and adjusted super conferences, just wait till you see what Flor- uh, what Florida State potentially does here in the next couple of years. We don't know for sure how that's going to affect the landscape of the sport. But what we do know is there are tremendous changes to how players are taken care of, to how travel costs to how people watch. And in order to make those changes, you cannot keep things the status quo. That does not work anymore. You also have to remember when we talk about the status quo, people watch the sport differently. People take it in differently. People appreciate it differently. Nick Saban's old school. And in a way, he's old school good. But talk to some of the younger coaches those that are just kind of getting it. I, I bet we could talk to G.J. Kinney, for example, the coach at Texas State who just got a five-year contract extension because he's doing really well there. Used to be at the University of Hawaii before that. I'm sure you could go talk to him and probably say, yeah, college football right now, it's evolving. But traditionally, um, it can't be what it once was. So you always kind of take... The, the quote-unquote traditions, as has been described, and I know we've used that word a lot, but we've used it for a reason. You take all of that and you say, do those traditions work in 2023, soon to be 2024? For, I'll give you one, the bowl games. I'll, I'll just start there. I'll, I'll hone in on that for a little bit. It is off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. Josh Pacheco flying solo today. Hunter Hughes will be back on Tuesday. So let, let's take that tradition, right? The tradition of bowl games in 2023-2024. As much as I argue, and I have for years, we have too many bowl games, 
we have not enough teams. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're asking 82 teams to be eligible to play in bowl games that go from the Bahamas to right here in Hawaii. It's a tradition that has grown because more places want more games. Um, that is not new. This is just a record number that probably will stay about here or it might drop down a little bit. So, okay, tradition. Is it better? No. But is the college football fan taking it in and complaining? No. I'll give you just this last weekend, for example. You had several big college basketball games on television, uh, including that, I think, that CBS Sports Classic that had four blue bloods in the sport. And they were going up against college football games that featured mid-major programs. And those college football games averaged about a million viewers. Games that featured teams that, frankly, were okay, not great. Um, but they outdid games involving North Carolina and college basketball and UCLA. Meaningless bowl games did better than meaningful non-conference men's basketball games. So tradition, it only just got expanded. And to the viewer which is what a lot of this is for. It's for TV ratings. It's for uh, worldwide exposure. It's for all those things. For the viewer, well, not bad. So what do you do with quote-unquote tradition now that college football kind of enters this fray of 2024 and enlarged conferences and even more enlarged conferences? What do you do with said tradition? I think that's one of the big things we'll talk about here kind of you know interspersed over the next couple of hours when you hear Nick Saban talk about the potential of losing traditions is he right and is it is it good for the sport that that's happening or uh, are we forever ruining the game that is uh, that is known as college football you can get in touch with us our Zephyr insurance text line is at 808-296-1420 you can call us at 808-296-1420 Plenty of ways for you to get in touch with us here on Off the Bench. We are here uh, at Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center as we get ready for the uh, second slate of games here on day number one of the Hawaiian Airlines Diamondhead Classic presented by the Hawaiian Islands. Of course, Hawaii's game will tip off approximately 6 o'clock, a.k.a. it won't, uh, because we know the game in front of it is going to tip off at 4. So you're going to have a little bit of time between those two games. I'm going to estimate we'll get going at about 6.25 tonight. Uh, for uh, for Hawaii and Portland rounding out the night here at the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic. The uh, few storylines today, and there are a couple, uh, TCU has scored the most points in a single game in Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic history. They put up 111 today on Old Dominion, 111-87, to 87, uh, the final score there. Uh, they were led by, did TCU, uh, 25 from Chuck O'Bannon off the bench. They had four players in double figures, and they shot... Uh, 55% from the field. It was a dominant effort from TCU, who a lot of people believe may be the favorite uh, here at the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic presented by the Hawaiian Islands. So it, it that's one of the big storylines. But the other storyline is on the other side of the floor uh, and, and Old Dominion, as we would learn earlier today that their head coach, Jeff Jones, suffered a heart attack yesterday. Um, he is in the hospital he is expected to make a full recovery. 
Uh, we just heard that earlier today on the television broadcast, but uh, he is not going to be able to coach uh, here over the next several days at the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic. So our thoughts to Jeff Jones as uh, that's a scary situation. And it's a, it's, it's a busy couple days here. You get here, um, you know, it's not just practice, but you've got the obligations of the coaches versus cancer event, which is Tuesday. Um, you, you've got other things that you, you've got to take care of. So it's a, it's a whirlwind. It is not a, um, you know, you, you get here and, and relax kind of week. And uh, certainly, um, you know, ho- hopefully for, for Coach Jones, he's okay. But, you know, amidst all the hectic uh, hecticness uh, of this, it's uh, very unfortunate to hear that that happened uh, to what many people describe as a good guy uh, as a coach. So our, our thoughts to him. Uh, the other game that took place earlier today, Nevada, I think the other team that some people might consider uh, a team to watch for here in the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic, Nevada today over Temple, 80-56. to uh, That's another win for Nevada, a top 50 team in net rating. They had 22 from Jared Lucas. Uh, a double-double for Nick Davidson. He had 19 points and 16 boards uh, for the Wolfpack. The the unfortunate thing is, I mean, you, you're probably looking at the two best teams in the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic, and they are probably on the same side of the bracket, which, uh, you know, it's it's not always perfect to put a bracket together. But in this case, TCU and Nevada, the two best teams in this Classic, are both on the top half of the bracket, uh, which could be very interesting for the bottom half because you've got Georgia Tech and UMass coming up at the top of the next hour. Portland and Hawaii will round out the night. And uh, one of those four teams at the very bottom is going to get a very, very tough squad, either Nevada or Temple, or Nevada or TCU. Uh, Either of those teams, whoever wins that semifinal to me is the favorite to win the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic. So um, that's kind of what we're watching here over the course of the day as uh, we pay attention to what's going on uh, here on day number one. It's a very busy week here, too. First two days here, the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic, the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl is on uh, Saturday, and then we're right back here to close out the night on Sunday. Uh, we'll, We'll talk a little bit more about traditions coming up in just a little while. Coming up next... Still the reaction to the early signing period starting up yesterday and the names that signed for the University of Hawaii, but there was a name that did enter the transfer portal, and it did bring up something for me that I'm kind of interested to see here over the next month with uh, with, with National Signing Day and also the calendar, which I think is, is intriguing to me as well. Um, what this kind of means uh, for expectations uh, over the next month, we'll, we'll go. You know, we'll zoom in on one end. We'll dive in deeper on another end to a couple of areas when we talk about uh, recruiting and we talk about University of Hawaii football. We'll do that coming up in just a little bit. You can play Pigskin Picks at ESPNHonolulu.com. Uh, pick some NFL games. You could win some weekly prizes. Of course, the grand prize. Uh, $1,000 cash at the end of the year. Play along with us at ESPNHonolulu.com. It's brought to you by M. Dyer Global and by Young's Fish Market. We're rolling off the bench, ESPN Honolulu. We'll get a Sports Center update coming up here in uh, just about eight minutes. Off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu, coming to you from Simplify Arena. 
at Stan Sheriff Center. We spent a good chunk of yesterday's show uh, talking about the early signing period for University of Hawaii football. And uh, and not only that, but we kind of kind of the reaction that we talked with Micah Alejado um, during yesterday's show. You can check that out at ESPNHonolulu.com in case uh, uh, you didn't get to hear it yesterday. Uh, but we're reminded two things. One, it's the early signing period. It is uh, it is not in totality uh, what you're going to see for this recruiting class. Of course, you've got your regular signing period coming up. Um, in January, but the other thing that comes to mind is we. I, I brought up two things. One, um, there are positions of depth that you kind of look to build with. There are positions of skill that you have no idea how they're going to pan out. But in this day of, of college football now, you do also have to think of... Um, what you need now, right? You you can't necessarily recruit for two years down the road, three years down the road, and think you've done your job, especially when you're a team that had just five wins a year ago. You're also recruiting to uh, try to kickstart what is a, a continued build of the momentum of, uh, of the rebuild, right? So... You also have to look at what you can do, transfer portal specifically, that is going to help you more likely than not when you get to game one of the college football season in 2024 when Hawaii takes on Oregon. And that the, the reminder of that came today when the starting left tackle from last year's team, Josh Atkins, decided to enter the transfer portal. It was announced today. Now, he's just a sophomore. Uh, he's got, as he said on uh, on the social media account that he put up, he's got three years of eligibility. Um, but it does it, it does indeed highlight how, just like that, there is a little bit more of a position of need, right? I mean, you do have guys coming up, yes, uh, but that is a youngster with a, with a little bit of experience that you would have loved to have back for a few years. Now you're going to be calling up whoever's next. You know who was behind him last year? Uh, on the depth chart, it was a senior. And a lot of the backups were juniors or seniors last year. So there's a lot of experience um, that were called on but weren't necessarily called upon um, in big situations. So that's where the transfer portal comes in. And I think in the offensive line, that might be one of the areas where I think the transfer portal may be key if the University of Hawaii can tap into that. More of the bigger picture of recruiting coming up in just a little bit. We'll get a Sports Center update in here. You're listening to Off the Bench on ESPN Honolulu. I'll be home with my love this Christmas. It's day eight of our Kaliki Maka giveaway presented by Hawaii Dental Service. Head to our Instagram page at ESPN Honolulu today for a chance to win a bundle of items from information including hats, shirts, and a UH Foam Shaka. That's our Instagram page, at ESPN Honolulu. It is off the bench as we uh, get you through your Thursday and uh, really the beginning of the night session here, day number one of the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic. We'll get to your tax messages coming up via the Zephyr Insurance text line at 808-296-1420, where we were talking about uh, traditions that was something that, uh, that that came up a little while ago. Also, uh, 
more so in, in college football. We did get a little bit of a text on that, including a uh, uh, polite correction to my comment. Um, it's, I don't know if it's a polite correction. It's more of a, uh, I think it's more of a polite opinion that differs. But we'll read that coming up in just a little while as we get back to the whole tradition conversation. Uh, so we were talking about recruiting, right? And, and we spent a little bit of time on, on the University of Hawaii end, given that we just saw an offensive lineman enter the portal with three years remaining. Part of this early signing period included one uh, one hit the transfer portal with a defensive lineman coming over from Nevada. And I think that's one of the things we're going to be watching for here over the next month is are there any more dips into the portal? Like I'd be looking for right now if there is a position of need, and I, I know some people were talking about it this morning, that you kind of would love to replenish immediately. It's probably the offensive line um, just because I think that was the glaring – consistent problem last year right was the ability to protect the quarterback and the ability to consistently create running lanes that was kind of a problem last year so that's something that we're we're going to kind of watch but i think there are some 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 bigger conversations we need to have about recruiting in college football in general um this is a mess <laughs> i i i'm not talking about hawaii I'm, I'm just talking about in general since you know we were on the the conversation of traditions a little while ago this is a mess. You have the transfer portal going on in the middle of college football bowl games. You have the early signing period in the middle of college football bowl games. You've got the awkward decisions, for example, um, by some, uh, you know, back quarterback at Texas, for example, who had to make the, uh, the decision that he wanted to enter the transfer portal, but he had to do it. So in order to do that, he couldn't be with his team for the bowl game as his team plays for the college football playoff semifinals. It is awkward. It is unnecessary. The early signing period, um, you could also argue now in the era of the transfer portal, um, probably is also considered uh, unnecessary. There are changes that probably need to be made to the recruiting calendar, and I'm not going to get into the, whole, the, the, the weeds of it of, um, you know, when you can have your official visits and when the dead periods are. I mean, I mean we don't need to go that far into it. Um, but I think we can get into a little bit of, of when we have some of these deadlines like where we do now. For example, I don't think we should be touching signing periods while games are going on. Um, and if that means the early signing period's got to go – then you know, I, I believe the early signing period's got to go. It is just awkward to me that we have decisions from current college football players and soon-to-be college football players that are being made in, in, in times where games kind of still matter. Um, you, know, you still have some of these areas where um, you know, you, you've got uh, – uh, you know, you, you, you've got games going on. It's just, it's, it's awkward to me. And so in a, in a perfect world, I, I, the way I would see it is the transfer portal opens once the season ends. You want to be a part of, your, part of a team, you've got to be with them the entire way from start to finish. This doesn't affect anything about whether you opt out of bowl games or not. Um, you just simply... Stay with your team throughout the entirety of the year, whether you're playing for the college football playoff or not. And by the end of the year, 
transfer portal opens up, you open up the portal for, I don't know, a month. You have your signing period within that time for recruiting. Uh, and then you kind of kind of clean up the system. I'm no expert, keep in mind, on recruiting and timelines and deadlines and all that stuff, but I it, it doesn't take an expert right now to know that all of this is just kind of a mess. And you have coaches right now that are going through the portal and are going through their recruiting process while they're still coaching games. You know, I can't imagine. I'll, I'll give an example right now. Syracuse. Syracuse, with all the changes they have had, they have a tight end playing quarterback tonight in their bowl game. A tight end who, by the way, has completed 18 consecutive passes. But again, a tight end who is playing quarterback. Consider that. That doesn't always happen. But because of opt-outs and because of... Um, you know, be, because of all the changes you have, yeah, you have that. You have third-string quarterbacks who are uh, who are starting college football bowl games. You have tight ends playing quarterback in meaningless or meaningful bowl games, depending how uh, depending how you look at it. That is where we sit here, and we don't need to be here. If you're a coach preparing for a bowl game, you know, recruiting does happen, but you know what? You should still be able to have an opportunity to worry about re-recruiting your players at a different time than now. Now should be an opportunity where you can focus on coaching. You have all these extra practices for a reason. So the, the, the calendar does need a little bit of an adjustment. What it does right now is it doesn't favor teams. I mean, if you, you want to talk a little bit about the way college football is, and you want to talk a little bit about free agency, um, we're probably past the point of changing it, but you can help curb it. You can help to keep some semblance of sanity in this sport. You probably won't change the fact that about a 1,000 people will enter the portal every year, but you have to at least... Um, you have to at least be able to kind of... kind, kind of you know tamp that down a little bit and then the other part that i think is awkward and i don't i don't know that we have the answer to this i don't know that i have the answer to this but it is awkward that the transfer portal can simultaneously affect freshman recruiting and it, to me that's a, a little bit dangerous it puts more power than ever before in high school seniors that can monitor the portal and make decisions for themselves because they see what other teams and more so other players are doing. And I am big, don't get me wrong, I am big on power for college student-athletes. I have been big on that for a long time. That hasn't changed. Um, but the free agency part of the conversation that we have had in, in college sports, and particularly college football, is not necessarily just about those who are currently playing that free agency part of the conversation does kind of extend to those who haven't played a single down yet. And they can watch a situation play out and make a verbal commitment. And then let's say, um, you know, you're, you're a quarterback and you're kind of watching a, a situation with that position. You see the team that you, you want to go to. They bring in a, a quarterback out of the portal. And then you say, you know what? Well, 
I gave my verbal, but I see that they got a quarterback. Now I'm going to change my mind and, and uh, you know, rescind my verbal. I mean, we did see that, right, with a, a, a player who had committed to Hawaii, kind of saw the situation there, then all of a sudden decommitted uh, his verbal. Well, I shouldn't say decommitted, rescinded his verbal, and ultimately went to Kansas State. You've got freshmen competing with transfers all in the span of about a month. It's messy. It's messy for coaches because it can create some real awkwardness. It is messy for transfer portal guys because, um, you know, imagine when you get into the portal and you see all those changes and then you realize maybe I want to go back to where I was, but ultimately it could very well be too late. And then just imagine when you uh, figure you got to get out of the portal and there's nothing available for you in the FBS and you've got to find your way down to uh, the FCS. Just imagine that awkwardness. That exists. That's not fun. Um, and while it is real life, and I believe that it is real life, it is also something that you could, to a certain degree, kind of avoid. The NCAA is not necessarily the most at fault here. It's these committees, these competition committees, these you know school presidents that are all getting together and trying to figure out what is best for the sport. When in, in reality, they're not necessarily thinking about what's best for the sport. They're ultimately thinking about what's best for their schools. And more often than not, the schools that have the representation in this area are the schools that have the most money next to their names. That's to the difference. So it's not perfect. It hurts the group of fives a little bit more than it does the power fives. But I think it's very clear watching how this all plays out that it is more awkward than it needs to be. It is almost, and I, I love competition, don't get me wrong, but it almost feels like it's too competitive. Like it's the kind of competitive that can create some really ugly feelings. Like the transfer portal. Let's 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 give that one here for a moment. Um actually I no let me let me take that back. Not the transfer portal. Let me give you the high school recruiting. You may recall there's a kid who had verbally committed to, to Colorado, went on TV and talked about, you know, going and playing for Prime and uh you know the Colorado opportunity was a big deal, all that. Decommitted. Or at least rescind well at least didn't commit to Colorado. We don't know where he's going next, but um, just imagine that awkwardness after being on TV and putting out how happy you are with where you're going to then at the the last hour kind of say, eh, I don't know. I don't know that I want to go there and leave a whole bunch of awkwardness down the road. That's what I'm looking at. How do you turn this college football recruiting conversation from competitive and awkward to competitive and well-intended. You see the difference I'm talking about right now, right? There's a difference between being competitive and being almost in hurtful to some. It's it, Some of the intended consequences are not well-intended. They are, in fact, uh, a bit of the opposite. Coming up, we'll get back to traditions. We'll get to some of your texts in a little bit. Our Zephyr Insurance text line is at 808-296-1420. But first, our M. Dyer Global scoreboard 
is brought to you by M. Dyer Global, moving Hawaii into the future. Uh, Thursday Night Football, which is over on CBS 1500, the Los Angeles Rams and the New Orleans Saints. This is huge for playoff implications in the NFC. A Puka Nakua touchdown has the Rams up on the Saints 7 to nothing. Final 40 seconds of quarter number one college basketball number three houston's up on texas state 24 to 14 that's on espn plus 308 to go uh in the first half number nine kentucky over louisville 95 76 number eight tennessee number one purdue all winners today and here at the hawaiian airlines diamond head classic presented by the hawaiian islands nevada moves on to the semis an 80 to 56 win over temple earlier today and the other game featured TCU putting up 111 points on Old Dominion. That is a Diamond Head Classic record for most points in a single game. The uh, Horned Frogs over Old Dominion, 111 to 87. It will be TCU and Nevada in one of the two semifinal games tomorrow. That, I believe, is the noon semifinal uh, here inside Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. That's your M. Dyer Global scoreboard. It's brought to you by M. Dyer Global. Always on the move. It's off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. We get a Sports Center update coming up with uh, Nick DeLuca here at the top of the hour. We'll get traffic in here. You know, it's been uh, a little better weather today uh, than it has been previously, but we did get a report over the uh, last hour of, oh, where was it? It was a, uh, oh, yeah, there it is, a 12-inch water main break on Kamehameha Highway at the Waikane Valley Road uh, area. Traffic modifications are in effect. So uh, there are some traffic concerns out there, but we'll uh, watch some of that for you and uh, get you some of that over the next hour here. On ESPN Honolulu, Josh Pacheco uh, flying solo. It is off the bench here uh, as we get you through your Thursday. We were talking earlier about traditions, and uh, especially off of Nick Saban talking a little bit about, you know, whether traditions are going away in college football, and uh, he, he got on a good lengthy bite on that. A um, couple of texts that we got into the text line on that. Texter from the 208 says, all traditions matter. Yeah, that doesn't necessarily mean that all traditions have to be kept. Traditions matter. There's a reason why they are traditions in the first place. So I, I agree with that. Um, but that doesn't mean things have to stay the same. Just imagine someone who's been running an event for 40 years, like a really good community event, and you've had a lot of people there, and it's continued for a long time. But, you know, after... 30 years, you've got to think, well, um, we might be noticing that something is changing. Habits are changing. Not as many people are signing up for this. Not as many people are checking out this booth. These are traditions. This is something we do every year, but maybe we should talk about whether we could modify it, whether, whether we could do it better, or whether we just don't do it at all and keep the rest of the traditions. Just maybe, you know, trim it down a little bit. So, yeah, I, all traditions matter. I get it. You're right. Sure. Um, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that all traditions have to remain the same. Baseball's a, a very good example of that. One more here from the 391. Polite correction to your comment. It's not a correction, it's more of a disagreement with the comment, but that's fine. Meaningless college football outdid meaningless college basketball. Eh, I don't know. There's a difference, and I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. 
68 teams or whatever the number now is will enter the NCAA tournament, including those blue blood pro basketball programs. So nothing was at stake for either. Those blue bloods will be in postseason play. So it's just a better spectator watch. I love basketball, but I probably love that watching football more. Okay, the yes, they are not conference games, sure, but they're not meaningless college basketball either. Um, when you're playing in a bowl game, they don't really uh, mess with your record. I mean, you can add the win or loss to your record, but it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Your resume is done. Whereas, um, you know, in college basketball, you are building your resume. These games uh, can help determine if you win your conference or if you have to go in as an at-large. Uh, what your resume is going to look like. So, you know, college basketball, when you're when you're watching that CBS Sports Classic, or when you're watching, um, you know, the State Farm Champions Classic, or you're, you know, you're or you're watching this, the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic, it's not meaningless. Just ask Nevada and TCU tomorrow when they play in that 12 o'clock semifinal. Nevada's trying to build a resume that if for whatever reason it doesn't win the Mountain West it can still get an at-large berth into the NCAA tournament. They're not a guarantee. Um, they could totally stumble in Mountain West play. But you schedule and you try to play games like these and get into tournaments like these because you want to build your resume. That's why we had that whole talk about scheduling yesterday, right? The scheduling conversation was important because uh, needing to understand that what you do out of conference can be as important as what you do in conference. It may not all be the same, but it's, uh, it is it is still important. So, yeah, I, I disagree. It's not meaningless college basketball. The, the bowl games are meaningless. The, uh, you know, to, to the resume of a team, the games in college basketball are, are a, a much different story. All right, uh, coming up, we've got, uh, we've got Sports Center on the way. We'll take a look, uh, a little bit of a look at traffic, uh, and we'll kind of count you down to Rainbow Warrior Countdown with Hawaii and uh, Portland, our featured game coming up. Tip time, supposedly, uh, just after 6 o'clock. It's a busy Thursday. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. It's Off the Bench. I'm Josh Pacheco. You're listening to ESPN Honolulu. Great to have you in. It is Off the Bench here on ESPN Honolulu. It's an abbreviated edition of this program as we uh, get you ready for Hawaii and Portland, the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic presented by the Hawaiian Islands. Tip time for that uh, a little after 6 o'clock. We are closing in on tip of the game before that, which features uh, Georgia Tech and UMass. They uh, just had the national anthem a few moments ago on tape, sung by Henry Capono. Uh, so we'll have tip time of that in a little bit. And then Hawaii and Portland will follow. Uh, note, and you've heard Gary say it, I've said it a little bit uh, as uh, as we've gone through, that they have it as a six, a little after six tip time. Usually it's, what, 6.02, 6.05, something like that, but probably won't happen. That is very dependent on what happens here. So we'll kind of let you know as we go through countdown tonight what we're looking at with tip-off in case uh, you're looking to kind of get here at the right time, not have to wait around, watch the previous game. If you're if you're big on punctuality, we'll help you out with that over the course of the night. You can get in touch with us. Our Zephyr Insurance text line is at 808-296-1420. 
you can call us at that same number at 808-296-1420 as we come to you uh, from Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center preparing you for Hawaii basketball. Uh, the NFL playoff conversation is interesting just because there's there's a lot of, well, there's a lot of average. And uh, unfortunately, that average is going to clog up the playoff race. Uh, you've got the Rams up on New Orleans right now, 10 to nothing. Uh, that is going to determine a berth, potentially. Uh, the Rams are not going to win the uh, the NFC West, but they could get in as a wild card. The Saints could very well win the uh, the NFC South at seven and seven, and right around five hundred because the NFC South is is so bad. Um, and we can focus on the NFC coming up in a little while. NFL.com, by the way, and I think this might be new. I haven't seen it before, uh, but NFL.com has uh, one of their next gen stats where they actually list chances for each team, playoff chances right now then playoff chances if they win and playoff chances if they lose. It's kind of neat. You don't see that all that often, but it's there. Uh, so uh, use that as your guide here as you uh, check out some games over the next couple of weeks. We are down to the final three weeks of the regular season after all. One team that right now is not in the postseason, but kind of in that mix, they're 7-7, seven and seven. Uh, it is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it's been, well... Uh, it, it, it's been kind of an off couple of years. The Steelers are not what they used to be. Um, we've we've learned that. DeMonte KZ had his uh, regular season suspension uh, upheld by the NFL yesterday, although if they do make it um, to the postseason, he could uh, potentially come back. So it's upheld, although it's three games. It's three games, which is the remainder of the regular season, but if they do go to the postseason, then that opportunity is there. Anyway, there I've said this for years now, off and on, because honestly it hasn't really mattered. It's not a team that's totally in our market. But I've said this here and there. Mike Tomlin's message has not resonated. One thing I've, I've always liked about Mike Tomlin, he is, uh, I would consider, a straight shooter. Uh, he is someone that I believe kind of tells it as it is and is a player's coach, but yet a firm player's coach. And I've kind of appreciated that about him. Um, but in my opinion, it has looked like the team has lost a little bit of its way, that the message either isn't resonating or the message isn't being given. The Steelers are nothing more than average at this point. Um, and you can see it in their roster makeup, and you can see it in their leadership or lack thereof. And at some point it does ultimately have to come back to the head coach because, you know, certainly to a degree, um, there there is execution that is not there. And, and, and look, they haven't had a, a marginally good quarterback in years since Ben Roethlisberger uh, decided to leave the game. But it's not an excuse. If you're a franchise that has always known how to win, you find ways to win. And the Steelers just haven't done that. Not consistently, not regularly. Uh, they are, a, a to me, a below-average 7-17. Seven and 17. And because we haven't seen a team in years um, look as respectable as they did again when, when Roethlisberger was playing and A.B. was playing and you had that, that vaunted defense, 
it, it makes you wonder, at, at what point in time do you start asking yourself, um, is the right leadership in place? Has Mike Tomlin's message evaporated? Has his impact on the franchise evaporated? Um, at some point, you can coach for a long time, and I, I think we're learning this in even in, in New England. You can coach for years. You can be... Um, you, you can be a, a, an incredibly tenured head coach with maybe the most wins in, in program history. You can have all that. Um, but at some point, that, that pass goes away. He's been coaching that team since 2007. And at some point, like I said, you can't go 9-7, 9-8, 7-7, and 7-7. Seven, nine and eight, seven and seven, and think, hey, um, we're going somewhere. They haven't won a playoff game since 2016. They haven't won a division since 2020. The Steelers expect to be better. They're not. And at some point after winning a Super Bowl in 2008, um, you, you might think that maybe a change is necessary. I thought this was interesting from Bill Cowher earlier today, former Steelers coach, uh, now part of the NFL today on CBS. He was on with Pat McAfee uh, earlier today talking about um, why sometimes you need to make a change and kind of relating it to the conversation with Pittsburgh. Take a listen. I think the biggest thing as a head coach to me is the accountability is with the players, right? But it's also with the coaches. Um, I was hard on the coaches, and sometimes I made change just for the sake of change. I mean, I think you look at what uh, uh, John Harbaugh did and has done in Baltimore. Um, he, Todd Monken comes in this year. Offense is different. Mike McDonald, he comes in last year uh, for Wink. So he's made some changes in Baltimore that, to me, that's part of it. It's just there's an infusion of energy. There's something new. It's something fresh, particularly with what you're doing if it becomes stale. And I think that's the biggest thing in the National Football League to me is you don't want to become stale. Don't want to become stagnant, predictable. I mean, bring somebody in with a fresh set of eyes, a fresh set of ideas, uh, doing some things that are more creative, and to try to get the best out of the players. So sometimes you have to have change just for the sake of change. Don't think, you know, he's not going to, um, if if you know Mike, if you know Bill Cower, he's not going to say that specifically at Mike Tomlin, right? I mean, head coaches uh, don't normally criticize other head coaches, even though you're in the media space, and 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 Bill Cower is. Um, it is still kind of a fine line that you draw. It's a little bit different. It's not the same comparison, but I think a little bit about how um, you know the the whole Sean Payton. Thing happened with uh, the former coach in Denver and how he was roundly criticized for that. This is a little bit different, but I still think to a degree is is still kind of fair that you ultimately want to hesitate. If it's your old franchise, you don't want to make that big step and say, uh, sometimes you need, you need to change for the sake of change. And you know where that's pointed to. Bill Cowher's not talking about, as much as he talked about assistance in, in Baltimore, he's not talking about assistance in, in Pittsburgh. And I know Mike Tomlin is someone that, hey, he will do his thing. It's his team. It's his accountability. 
He doesn't put that accountability on anybody else. He puts it on himself. That's one thing that I think is very admirable of him. Um, he does not preach um, you know, leadership and then not practice it. He does it the right way, but it's not enough. Um, I, I think at, at some point you have to ask yourself whether his message no longer resonates. And to me, that time is now. I'll go back to what I was saying. Look at New England. Bill Belichick's message is no longer resonating. Remember, just several years ago, Tom Brady or no Tom Brady, he could take an average roster and turn it into a championship roster. Not anymore. He cannot turn what is bad and make that less bad. They are as bad as what that roster looks like. He can't change that. So, you know, you, that's why you hear a lot of the rumors about whether uh, the New England Patriots will part ways with Bill Belichick because the message no longer resonates. It's old. It's not hitting. These players don't take to it. And that's, I think, the exact same thing that's going on in Pittsburgh. They're not taking to Mike Tomlin. The results are not fitting to what he, as a coach, is expected to bring. And that's a, that's a massive problem. Pittsburgh's in a division where they're kind of falling behind. Look at Baltimore. And I think this is also one of the reasons why Bill Cowher used the Ravens example when he was talking to Pat McAfee. Look at Baltimore. They made changes even when they were successful, knowing that you have to find ways to be better all the time. You cannot be stagnant. You always have to look for ways within reason to improve and be better. And that's not happening in Pittsburgh. It's not even close. It is off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. We are brought to you by Kahala, the original Aloha shirt since 1936. Upgrade your island style. Pick one up for yourself at one of Kahala's six stores island-wide or at kahala.com. Uh, we'll check on traffic here. You're listening to Off the Bench on ESPN Honolulu. Hi, Daryl. He's <laughs> like, hey. I'm just walking by. You happen to be live. Hi. You get a shout-out on the air. <laughs> the uh, Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic is going on right now. So, you know, why not just do a show from here for a couple of hours? And that's what we're doing with Off the Bench on ESPN Honolulu. Is, uh, Rainbow Warrior Countdown presented by Hawaii Pacific Health comes up at 5 o'clock. Gary Dickman's going to uh, sit in the seat to my right, and we'll uh, set you up for... Uh, Hawaii basketball against Portland. You've got the earlier game going on right now. We'll update that score uh, a little bit later on. I think we have an M Dyer Global scoreboard a little bit later on. We don't, uh, but we'll update you uh, during our pregame show because it'll be at halftime at that point by the time we go on the air uh, at 5 o'clock. The stories of the day um, here in this venue, uh, the, 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 the two. One, uh, TCU. First team to score over 100 in a Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic game this year, and they just happened to put up 111. That's a tournament record. So that's one of the first things, and we kind of knew that TCU was going to be one of, if not uh, the favorite. Then uh, the second one is uh, the, the unfortunate news about Old Dominion's head coach who suffered a heart attack, uh, was taken to the hospital yesterday. It is said that he is going to be okay, but he's going to remain in the hospital. Uh, it is not expected to coach for the remainder of the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic, so there's uh, uh, some, some serious news there. 
that we're kind of tracking. But right now, uh, you've got a semifinal matchup expected tomorrow of Nevada and uh, TCU. And uh, we'll watch this back slate of games. See Georgia Tech and uh, UMass going on right now. UMass is ahead uh, by eight uh, early on after the, uh, the first or after the under 12. And then we'll watch Hawaii a little bit later on. We were talking about traditions earlier, and traditions in in not just college sports. I mean, we were we were playing the Nick Saban quote about traditions and lamenting the fact that in college football, at least, traditions are kind of going away. Um, you know, there's a texter who said all traditions matter, to which I said, yeah, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that all traditions have to be kept the same. That texter said. Well, the Rainbow Classic died, so it's a tradition, but it's not missed. Well, the Rainbow Classic didn't die. Um, it They just couldn't fill it. The They have said repeatedly the Rainbow Classic is expected to be back um, next year. Now, I don't know what if they've already locked down a team or two next year for the Rainbow Classic, but it is expected to be back. It is not dead. Uh, it is on hiatus. But let's also be, be very blunt about that tradition. Um, that tradition has changed from what it used to be many, many years ago, which brought in some some heavier named teams. It is no longer that. Um, you know, part of that is uh, the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic is has done more of that work of bringing in some of those named teams, and uh, some of that is also the fact that uh, it can. There are so many tournaments to compete with across the country. There are so many, you know, MTEs and one-off events that it is harder and harder at the beginning of the year when you've got television stacking up a lot of these different events to get some of those name-brand teams down here. The tradition of what it used to be has died. That's true. Um, but the classic in general as a tradition um, is different, not dead. Totally different thing. Uh, you can check out athletes at ESPNHonolulu.com. It is presented by uh, Central Pacific Bank, Hawaii's best bank. It's a cool video series we've got going on uh, on our website. We'll get traffic in here, a sports center with Nick DeLuca coming up as well. It's off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. Really can't stay. Baby, it's cold outside. I gotta go away. Baby, it's cold outside. This evening has been. Final words coming up in just a little while. I know it's... Uh, it's kind of early. We're taking you up to 5 o'clock in Rainbow Warrior Countdown, presented by Hawaii Pacific Health. Uh, here on ESPN Honolulu, we'll lead you up to uh, the Pilots and the Rainbow Warriors to wrap up day number one of the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic. We've got uh, uh, the Iolani Classic, which is going on right now, presented by uh, Hawaii Pacific Health as well. Uh, I'll head down there after leaving here because uh, we've got the semifinals that are taking place today. In fact, the first one, Oak Ridge, DeMath is at 6.30. I'll have St. John Bosco and Christ the King coming up tonight uh, at 8 o'clock. So that's always fun. Uh, we'll we'll kind of clock in on that. And, of course, uh, the championship tomorrow night, uh, which will tip off at 8 o'clock. We've spent some time talking about traditions. That's uh, unintentionally been kind of the, the turn of the show today. Uh from our Zephyr Insurance text line, yeah, Les Murakami had his Easter tournament. I miss it. I I never got to experience that. Um, from what I, all the stories I've been told about 
the uh, the the Easter tournament, it was just and, and Scott Robs and I would would talk about it every once in a while when an opportunity was there. It's just baseball all day, baseball into the night. Sometimes baseball spilling into the early morning. Uh, if you're a, a baseball junkie, that's really cool. Um, as a baseball junkie, I would I would love to if if I had a day off, which is like never unless I force myself to. If I had a day off, I would love to spend like 12 hours at the ballpark just taking in a bunch of baseball. But if you notice, um, you're not seeing that anymore. Um, you're, you're seeing a lot of teams now that are just, you have like these these classic events. They're not even tournaments um, where you might have a couple games in a day. It's probably like four teams and they kind of rotate around. I still think of, like, the Tony Gwynn legacy, although that's a, a little bit separate as well. That's not the same because the Tony Gwynn legacy was spread out amongst, like, three different sites. Um, but when you can have different teams here, if you're not playing all day, if you have maybe, like, two games a day, if you're playing, like, a 4 and a 7 or a 3.30 and a 7 or something like that, that's palatable. Um, it can work out. Uh, and it's nothing to say that, that the Easter tournament wasn't good. Again, I never got a chance to experience it. It's one thing I wish I had the chance to do. Um, but I don't think in, in this day and age uh, that it's something you can accomplish or, or that teams want to do. Uh, I, I think there's a, a big difference. And now with television and now with you know getting games on radio and things like that, that's even, uh, even harder to accomplish. Uh, but you want to bring up traditions? We've been doing that. For for those that need the backstory, if you're just tuning in, we brought up um, Nick Saban on uh, on traditions earlier uh, in in college football, and he was kind of lamenting. and And we'll pull up the bite uh, for those that didn't get to hear it earlier. So back in the studio, note that's going to be coming up in a little while. Um, but that with with money and television and all those things, you know, one of Nick Saban's points was that college football is moving away from tradition. Heads up, that's been going for years. That is, uh, that's nothing new. Nothing has changed. It's all just kind of the same. It's just we're talking about it again. That college football has moved away from tradition for uh, for a long time, and it's just a matter now of um, how far away are you willing to go. Although I I have said and I said it last hour, and I'll probably I'll say it again here. It's not as much about, and, and I think this is where Nick Saban is is somewhat wrong here it's not as much about going away from tradition as it is looking at the traditions and whether those traditions are worth continuing whether those traditions need to be somewhat updated i think what nick saban said and maybe we've kind of done it to a degree what what saban said i think is is being taken a little bit differently depending on who you are because it's kind of given the vibe that oh um you know he believes the college football landscape is is kind of changing and it's um not necessarily for the better and while that point is arguable the tradition part is where um i tend to kind of fight back on uh and, and part of that point was we have traditions we've had traditions in sports for a long time it's one of the cool things about what we do um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they just stay how they are. Baseball is one of the biggest traditionalized sports, but even baseball realizes we can't stay with who we are and what we are. 
Um, we have to adjust. We have to be able to uh, do some different things and, you know, kind of change the way we, we operate. And as we've talked about in the first hour, it worked, right? More people started to watch the sport. The games got quicker. Guess what? They're uh, trying to quicken the game even more uh, by, uh, by knocking down the pitch clock and, and uh, some of that other stuff. We don't, we don't need to get into that. Um, but, but basically, traditions are fine, but traditions rarely ever stay the same for like 100 years. That's not sustainable. And the old school folks like Saban don't necessarily like it. They're not used to that. The new school folks, I think like, like I am, I, I, I believe I'm old school at heart, but I'm new school in age. And can kind of appreciate it from, from both ends. This was Saban earlier in his press conference talking about college football uh, and, and possibly losing some of those traditions. I think there's a great argument for traditions of college football. You know, college football has been great for a lot of people. It's been great for fans. It's been a great opportunity for, you know, many guys, not just in football, but in all sports. I think I read a stat where 82% of the people who won medals in the Olympics got trained in college. So, you know, some of that is all going to change. What we see as college football right now is being completely disassociated from the traditions of what we've seen in the past. And we've had some great traditions here, as all schools do, uh, in all sports. And some of those things are going to go by the wayside because decisions are made for mega conferences. These decisions are getting made for probably financial reasons uh, in terms of, on one hand, to make a better program so that you can invest more in players. But on the other hand, you may be eliminating some opportunities for some other people. Which Nick Saban earlier today. Um, so where I think he's kind of wrong, by the way. You know, He, he mentions, and, and I think it's a far-fetched Example where he says 80 plus percent of Olympians were trained in college, uh, and that's something that he doesn't want to see go away. Well, well, technically that's not. Um, you still have to go to college to play football for at at the very least three years. Nothing there is different. It's more of a question of where you go into college to play, and that's where the uh, that is that is where that 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 starts. Is you want to make sure the tradition is that they come to you. That's a very different thing. Um, a lot of what he's talking about has there. There's there's certainly implication, money, um, the economics of the game. Yes, but I don't think what he's saying necessarily changes all of the traditions. I think he's actually missing the mark on traditions. Uh, the real traditions that are left in college football are rivalry games. Now, granted, we lost that with Texas and Texas A&M for a while. Guess what's coming back now that Texas goes to the SEC? It's rivalry games. It's bowl games. Um, and it's the bands. The pageantry. The pageantry tradition's still there. The bands are still there. Um, the, the traditions of rivalry games were challenged for a while because Texas and Texas A&M couldn't get along. That's coming back so that's good um and then you you think about bowl games and that has changed and crowning a champion that has changed and nil that has changed and and, and all that stuff but i mean really is money truly changing tradition at least in this sport 
I don't believe it is. What it is doing is challenging those traditions and challenging whether those traditions work in a modern world. And that's why baseball has always been a great example to me. Challenging traditions in the modern world. That's why baseball believed you couldn't get away with three-hour and 15-minute games anymore. That's why Major League Baseball today, when they announced the pitch clock is moving down by a couple seconds, because they saw seven minutes added to games at the end of the season as compared to April. Baseball got crazy over seven minutes. Seven. But they knew if you don't continue to adapt and adjust, you might lose people. Again, traditions adapting in a modern world. And Nick Saban, as much as he can complain about it, guess what? He's just as actively a part of it. He just won't tell you that. Alabama, I'm sure, is pouring in NIL money. He can rail against that all he wants, but he's got no choice to be a part of it. I don't hear him saying, we're not paying any NIL money. We're not going to do any of that. We are going to do things the way we used to do it 20 years ago. He's not doing that. He's actively a part of it. How you recruit? I mean, he's got continually one of the best recruiting classes. You think he's done it just based on the same traditions as he's done it since he was a head coach there? No, probably not. You think he's had to learn to adapt based on the times? He's old school, but he isn't stupid. So, you know, it's 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 kind of fun to hear the old ball coach, that's, I'm not talking about Steve Spurrier, um, talk about traditions yet also know how to play the game with the new stuff. That's what I find funny. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, let, let's face it. Um, Traditions are great. Traditions are always made better. What are the best traditions? Don't stay the same for a hundred years. The best traditions after five years are reevaluated. Sometimes after ten years, an adjustment is made. Sometimes another adjustment is made after fifteen years. So on and so forth. Hey, the tradition of the NCAA men's basketball tournament is adjusted, and you still hear people complaining about sixty-eight. No. They adjusted the tradition. People are still watching it. Networks are still paying a bunch of money for it. Has the tradition been hurt? No. That's what we mean. And that's what I think Nick Saban is missing. Even though he is actively a part of it, he just doesn't want to show you that he is. Speaking of traditions, on our Zephyr Insurance text line at the uh, at, from the 233. Just tuned in, so not sure if this was brought up yet, but as far as traditions, the Diamond Head Classic is fairly new, but has been a Christmas week tradition. With the transition to earlier conference schedules, do you think they will have no choice but to move it to early December? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, uh, I what, what the texter's referring to is the fact that it's going to be harder to schedule power conference teams because conference games are being scheduled earlier and earlier. Um, but I don't see it as... I, I don't see the event changing. Um, I, I think what might happen, and I, I, and I, don't, have, I, I, don't, I don't have any way of knowing it. I, I'm just kind of going by how I would kind of like assume what happens. I think two things potentially happen. One, 
I think you continue to schedule the way it is. You just realize you're not going to have a power conference team potentially. That it's going to be a, a an eight. Uh, it's going to be eight mid majors. And you know, one thing about this event that has been good, it has had high quality mid majors. Um, it has never been an event full of power conference teams. Um, but this is going to be one of those new traditions that after several years. They're going to have to adapt. And this is going to be one of those areas where they're going to have to adapt. So, yeah, I don't, it's, it's either that or yeah, I'll, this is unlikely. But if I had to throw a scenario, if I had to throw an idea out, I would even consider turning it into one of those uh, MTEs, those, uh, you know, four-team, multi-team events where if you think your event might turn into something that's like a, an eight-team um, event that is all mid-majors, maybe the thing that you think of is, well, maybe let's bring it down to four and let's just kind of hold it down to four instead of, you know, eight teams and, and trying to hope that you get the best of those eight teams. Uh, let's say hi to Dave and Kaneo. Hey, Dave, thank you for calling in. How are you? Hey, how's it going, Josh? Good, Dave. Hey, you know, you're talking about, like, Nick Saban and, you know, those old-time coaches that are in successful programs, yeah? So, there's three coaches, Davo Sweeney, Dave Aranda, and Mike Gundy. Mm -hmm. And these are coaches, like, up to a couple years ago were kind of, like, untouchable, yeah? They're, like, contracts are, you know, good as gold, yeah? But right. I, I was reading recently, like, especially those three coaches, they were, like, really against the transfer portal and all that kind of stuff. They said they're going to stick with the guys that they recruit and that kind of stuff. And, and this year, those three coaches, you know, especially um, at Clemson and stuff, they, they had really subpar um, results at the end of the year. So you're talking about, like, how some of these coaches, if they don't, Get with the times, with whether it's the NIL or the, the portal, that their jobs may be, soon be in jeopardy. And uh, I was wondering if you, if you heard, we heard something similar like that. Like, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, uh, I, I don't, I didn't, I won't necessarily necessarily say I've heard that. Uh, and Dave, thank you for calling in. But I would, I would throw two things that way. One, um, you're right. Those three programs have all seen declines, most notably at Clemson. But Baylor had a tough year. You're right. Um, I'm reminded of college basketball. Mike Krzyzewski said he wasn't going to recruit one-and-dones. Lute Olson said he wasn't going to recruit one-and-dones at Arizona. Lute Olson ultimately retired. Mike Krzyzewski ultimately recruited one-and-dones because he knew he had to adjust because that's where the sport was going. So you can, you can be stubborn all you want, and the top coaches will be stubborn, but the better coaches in that top end realize that they have to get out of their own way because their job, uh, in part, is to win. You can play Pigskin Picks at ESPNHonolulu.com. Pick NFL games for your chance to win weekly prizes, the grand prize at the end of the year. Of course, you got... Uh, $1,000 in cash. Play along with us at ESPNHonolulu.com. Brought to you by M. Dyer Global and by Young's Fish Market. We'll close things out next. It is Off the Bench on ESPN Honolulu.
All right, closing in on Rainbow Warrior Countdown, which is presented by Hawaii Pacific Health. Uh, we're eight minutes away from that. Uh, it was, uh, things are kind of picking up a little bit here in the concourse level at Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. You've got the... Uh, uh, you got the, uh, the the Georgia Tech game going on. So, uh, yeah, busy day here. Uh, after we're done, I'll head over to Iolani for the Iolani Classic with Christ the King and St. John Bosco in that semi tonight. Uh, someone asked about UCLA and Hawaii earlier today in that women's basketball game. Number two UCLA all over Hawaii uh, there in Westwood, 85-46 to 46, uh, was the final score there. So I know someone wanted to hear about that Uh there you go. Hey, uh, don't forget, enjoy free fun at Dave & Buster's and help a great cause this Tuesday from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Donate blood to the Blood Bank of Hawaii at DNBs in the Word Village, and you'll receive a free unlimited video game play card on non-redemption games and complimentary breakfast or lunch while supplies last. Sign up at bbh.org or call 808-848-4770. Gary Dickman and I will see you on the other side of this, plus Sports Center. We're counting down to Hawaii and Portland. This has been Off the Bench on ESPN Honolulu.